0: Hey there, and welcome to the One Church podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. If you'd like to know more about life at One Church, visit us online at weareone.church or check us out on social media. Good afternoon, Uh, welcome to to One Church, my name is Nathan, I'm one of the pastors here and it's uh, my privilege to welcome you to One Church today. What's going to happen for the next uh, 20 or 30 minutes or so is we're going to just open up the Word of God, we're going to open up the Bible and and discuss a certain topic with one another. We are currently, if you're new to this space, what we do as a church is we'll spend a duration of time, maybe three or four weeks, um, focusing on a particular topic and our current series, our current teaching series is this, Vive la Révolution! um, Just in your best French accent, say, vive la revolution. revolution. (laughs) There were some questionable ones, but one very convincing one that came out from here somewhere. Um, Yeah, well done. Um, And essentially, uh, what we are looking at in this series is the teaching and the life of Jesus. Long live the revolution is what it means. And we are looking at the revolution that he started... 2,000 years ago, the difference it made to the world, to humanity, and the difference it is still making today. And the difference it can make in your life today. What he did, what he continues to do. And that's what we are studying together. So we are looking at different ethical topics throughout the the series and we're looking at what Jesus did, the impact he had on those particular topics. So we're going to look at things like race, look at things like uh, human rights, money, and see what Jesus did in regards to those things. And this afternoon, the topic we will be looking at together is slavery. I was given that topic. (laughs) Um, slavery, And in studying and preparing for this message, I, I realised that it is a mammoth topic. It is, it is a giant topic that really it, it would be impossible for me in the next 25 minutes to do it justice and to explore every avenue of it. Um, so I'm going to do my best. To, to look and consider one aspect of this and the, the revolution that Jesus started and how it impacts this particular topic um, in, a, in, a, in a broader sense but also in an individual sense perhaps more importantly um, but I, I wanted to say that we're not going to cover everything and, and as always with these messages our encouragement is to not just leave it here Don't don't just rely on on the person with the microphone to download everything to you, but but take it and ask questions and explore. Um, And so this might be the start of unpackaging something new in your life and and, and a whole new venture, a whole new uh, adventure of exploration. And questions to be asked, and that's really what Grow Groups are all about on, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, is an opportunity, like a forum, where we can do that, where we can unpack these topics a little further with one another. Um, so yes, do, do just that. But the, the topic of slavery, as I'm looking at it, um, it's, in terms of the scriptures, in terms of the Bible, it's present throughout the entire Bible. There's there's really not like a window of it where it's absent. It's present all the way through. There are books of the Bible that are dedicated to telling the story of an entire people group that was taken into slavery and then their exodus out of slavery. There are stories in the Bible about uh, rich people that would have owned slaves. There are letters in the Bible written uh, written to churches that address slave owners and also slaves alike. So it's very prominent, it's very present uh, Throughout the whole of the Bible And we're looking at the life and teachings of Jesus And the revolution that he started And the stage that he walks onto The, the moment in human history where he is there Is a moment where the Roman Empire ruled s- so many parts of the world and, and the place where he steps into Israel Is under the oppression, under the rule of the Roman Empire Which would have included And their economy was very much based on Slavery And so he steps into that world and, and what's fascinating is what Jesus does is he doesn't actually speak specifically to the topic of slavery. He, he uses it as a metaphor for something else, which we'll, we'll come back to, but he doesn't speak directly to it. See, the, the nation that he stepped into, the people of that nation, they were, they were anticipating the arrival of a messiah. A saviour, someone that would come and liberate them, liberate their people, liberate their, their lands and restore it to its former glory. And when people thought that Jesus was the Messiah, they thought he would do that. They thought that this is the guy that's going to start a revolution that would maybe start this uprising and overturn the Roman Empire and bring freedom and hope and peace back to the galaxy um, to, to restore that. But, but that's not what he did. Like, not directly, at least. He, he didn't do that, and so you and I can look back on history and think that maybe what Jesus did was download that mandate to his disciples, to, to the early church that he started. This is, this is your task, this is what I want you to do, I want you to, to abolish slavery, I want you to bring freedom and liberty wherever you go. But we look again, and that, that didn't happen exactly that way either. That they didn't tackle that. In fact, one of the most prominent writers of the early church, the Apostle Paul, he, he writes and he, he addresses a slave or slaves directly. He writes to them in, in Colossians 3 verses 2. He says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to carry their favour but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord whatever you do work at it with all your heart as though working for the Lord not for human masters since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward it is the Lord Christ you are serving and what I want us to consider today is the revolution that Jesus started it it transcends it was wider deeper more far reaching than simply bringing down one human empire or even Abolishing slavery itself, it was bigger than that. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Is that all right? Fantastic. Let's pray with one another, then we will continue. Father God, we thank you that we can be here today. Thank you that we can spend time just in worship, fixing our eyes on you. Thank you for this church. Thank you for your word um, that challenges us, that encourages us, inspires us. And I pray, Lord, that it would be your word that is the loudest voice in this room today. I pray each of us would leave with a refreshed sense of who you are, Jesus every day would we become more like you know you more closer to you we pray in Jesus name amen amen Amen. Amen. (coughs) so on this topic then um, I think for us here in 2020 in uh, a church in Gloucester um, I doubt if many if, if if any at all of us have experienced what we would class as slavery or, or modern day slavery. Modern day slavery it's, it's Slavery is still very prominent in the world today. And, and I doubt any of us really have had a first hand experience of it. So, it, And certainly in my study it was hard to really empathise or fully grasp the, the horror and the evil and the effect that would have. But I think for each and every one of us we can all identify and we all know what it feels like to feel stuck. To to go through a time to experience something to be in a circumstance which we feel trapped in, we feel potentially you might not use this word but enslaved to just just stuck and and there's two examples I want to give of types of stuck that we can be um, with two stories. So um, just up the stairs here there is a toilet and as a child I got stuck in that toilet. I went in I did my business and the door shut behind me the door would not open. I was stuck I was trapped. I cried out for help. I didn't know where my help would come from. Thank the Lord for the world's best children's worker, Mark Lockett, because he he came along. He came along and he heard my cry for help. I said, "Mark is that you?" He said, "Yes." And 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 from the other side of the door he he did what I think like most of us grown-ups would want to do. He's like, "Nathan, are, are you hurt?" I'm like, "No, Mark. I'm, I'm I'm just stuck behind this door." Nathan, "Stand back." Boom, like this. The door flung open and I was saved. And I'm here today to tell the story thanks to that amazing man of God, Mark Lockett, who saved me from the toilet that I might very well still be stuck in. <laughs> ah. One type of stuck. The other type, um, in year seven, um, my friend, we were in the history block, which was on the third floor. There was a spiral, there was a spiral, there's a staircase. And he stuck his head. He through the bars of the staircase to look down to see the year 11s that were making their way up. Like His head went in. His head did not come back out. Like, our heads are designed that way, right? They slide in quite easily and then they're stuck, aren't they? I don't know. And needless to say, the, the year 11s were not kind to him uh, <laughs> with his head stuck in those bars. Um, two types of stuck. You see, you see the first stuck in that little toilet up there, waiting to be rescued by the world's greatest uh, children's worker. Um, That was nothing to do with me. It wasn't my fault. The door just shut and it wouldn't budge. It wouldn't open. And and I'm sure there are some people in this room and you are stuck in a circumstance, you're stuck in a, a season, you're stuck in a thing, and it's nothing to do with you. It's not your fault. You didn't ask for that debt. You didn't ask for that hurt. You didn't ask for that abuse. You didn't ask for that pain or that sickness. And nevertheless, it is here and you are stuck. The door will not budge. It's a type of stuck. The other example that I gave, we know full well that we are where we are, stuck in the things that we are stuck in, because of our own stupidity. I put my head through these bars. (laughs) I did this to me, and now I can't move. Now I can't get out. I knew this wasn't a good idea, but nevertheless, here I am. And and I'm oversimplifying it. Sometimes it's an amalgamation of the two of those things, but but we, we all know what it feels like to be stuck and, and I'm going to use this analogy this picture throughout my message because the things that can hold us back that we get stuck on that we can come back to that we can feel trapped in can feel very much like a chain a, a, a chain that just just holds us back and all of us in this room will have some form of a chain in your life and It could be, that chain could be something that is very just slight, minor, insignificant, that you would just rather do without, right through to a life-debilitating thing that that informs and impacts every single part of your existence. But all of us have them. So let me give some examples now of what this could be. So these chains, it can feel like a chain, so the chain of a job that we do not enjoy, that we feel stuck in, The, the chain of debt, that is just so present in our lives. The chain of an addiction that we cannot break, chained to a thought life that won't improve. We can feel chained to our flawed personality, chained to a family riddled with dysfunction, chained to a body that is broken and unwell, chained to uncertainty about what is ahead. And again, your chain will be different to mine, but we all have them. In some way, shape, or form. We've all got this. And side note, because we all have them, we should never judge anyone else of the fact that their chain is a little prominent, more prominent than ours or more obvious than ours because we've all got them like we should this should not be a place where people come in and are made acutely aware of their chains where you say oh well that's a big chain proud of the fact that ours is a little keychain in our pocket we've all got them we're all stuck in in some way and it just it just snags and, and perhaps we can go for days, weeks, months without noticing it, but, but somewhere, somewhere down the line, we can feel it. Ah, there it is again. And I don't know about you. When for me, it's if I step into something new, if I take on a new challenge, or step into something that I'm nervous about, this thing raises its ugly head again. And, ah, I thought that was done. How is this still here? I was, and it can be so inhibiting the chains that we all carry. I wonder what the chain is for you. Wonder what that thing is that just just holds you back. What what is coming to mind now? Your your chain. Now you might be new to this environment and new to, to faith, just exploring faith for yourself. But what can happen is over time, these things, if they don't go, if if this doesn't get dealt with, we almost we almost accept them and embrace them as normality. Yeah. This is this is my lot then, I guess. This is me. This is, what, this is what I have to deal with or cope with. This is just my, this is my stuff. Um, and we can, we can embrace it. And it almost forms part of our identity. Have you noticed our language when we talk about the things that we would rather do without in life? For example, when, when we say, oh, that's, that's just my debt. That's just my past. Those are just my failures. That's just my sickness. That's, that's my asthma. We almost embrace it as if we own it. And it becomes part of us. And, and over time... It's very easy, in this regard, to take on what you could describe as a slave mentality. I am the slave of this thing. Because it really, this is in control. I'm not, I, I can't get rid of it. So this thing is dictating to me what to do. This thing is my master, the master of my debt, the master of my poor mental health. The master that is, insert blank. And we can, we can get to this space. Um, And we can be led so well in worship like we did and have these amazing moments where we feel like we encounter the presence of God, where we feel inspired, where we feel like hope is injected again. And we go out into our world with this renewed sense of um, expectation, anticipation, whatever it might be, and feel the chain again. But we can get back into these environments and sing songs like there's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain break every chain and i believe that it's one of my favorite songs and we sing that in these environments hope is there and yet we go back into the monday or the tuesday or months down the line and snag there it is again and i don't know about you but what that can what that can conjure up in me is is just confusion sometimes that that if if in these environments we hear that you know i'm a, i'm a child of god and, and but what what is this if God is there, if God loves me, if God wants me to experience life and life to the full, but I can't get over this, is any of that true? Like does, and we can ask ourselves questions and it can lead to big questions like, does God even care about this? Like, Does God even notice this? Maybe he's a bit busy. Maybe, maybe he, he doesn't, doesn't care about these things that just hold me back and keep me bound and and on a philosophical level like this this can be the reason that people reject the idea of god altogether the, the problem of evil is what you would call it like how can a loving god exist when this is there when you look at like let's reference slavery when you look at the evil that humanity is capable of with one another like how can god allow that like this and it can it can cause this this sense of frustration We can become downcast, frustrated. We can be tempted just to give in and give up and just think, well, this is my lot, then this is how I'm going to live now. And what often happens is there can become a gap between who we think God is and what he should be doing and our reality, if our reality includes something that is holding us back. And as I said, all of us have got something. Yours is different to mine, but we all do. Now, the, the revolution that Jesus started and the change that he brought, and, the, and his life and his teachings, um, there were some disciples right after he died that, that didn't know that he was raised to life again. And they were confused, they were downcast, they were despondent. They thought that they must have misunderstood the, the revolution. And it's noted in one of the Gospels the conversation that they have. Uh, this amazing ironic conversation where Jesus actually joins them to listen into to what they're saying but, but they are downcast they're confused because their sense of expectation that they had what Jesus was going to do he didn't so the revolution as they understood it was over because Jesus had died and they didn't know that he was raised to life again and in Luke 24, 21 it says this we thought he was going to be the one to redeem Israel we thought he was going to start a revolution that would change all of this we thought he was going to start a revolution that would overthrow the Roman Empire that would like, bring liberty and freedom but, but he's not he's gone like did we get it wrong and we can be in that spot too like God I thought you were going to deal with this like how is this still here God I thought you were going to fix this for me God I thought you were going to free me from this I thought the change and the revolution that you started would be me being rid of these things I thought you were going to be the one to redeem me and if we're not careful the word redeem in our own minds is fix my problem get rid of this get rid of this chain and that can cause in us a sense of despair. We can become, like Luke says they were, downcast. He should help me. I shouldn't have to struggle with this. I shouldn't be struggling full stop. Why is this so difficult? And like those disciples, we can become disheartened. Now, I want us to look and listen to this carefully at what Jesus actually came to do. At the revolution he actually started. Because it's, it's far bigger than the solving of immediate problems like this. It's far bigger than what they thought it was going to be. Far better than they could have ever possibly hoped for. So I'll read some of this here. What, What he did, the revolution that Jesus started, was far greater than a simple dismantling of a human empire or the fixing of the plethora of problems that come with the human experience. Jesus set out to dismantle the greatest oppressor humanity has or will ever be enslaved to and that is sin. With all of its many forms, each as vile as the next, Jesus came primarily to end the worst kind of slavery, and that is slavery of the soul. So a theologian, Don Carson, puts it this way. You have to keep an eye on Jesus' mission. Essentially, he did not come to overturn the Roman economic system, which included slavery. He came to free men and women from their sins. And here's my point. What his message does is transform people so they begin to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love their neighbour as themselves. Naturally, this has an impact on slavery. The revolutionary teachings... um, this This is quote over... The revolutionary teachings and life of Christ set humanity and society on a redemptive trajectory away from oppression and slavery into a better way of thinking. And it is certainly true that many prominent abolitionists in this country, it was their faith that was the reason that they like, fought slavery. It was what Jesus had done for them. And where it exists or continues to exist in the world today, it exists in direct opposition to the teachings of Jesus and to the heart of God. If people genuinely loved God and loved each other, that would change everything. That would revolutionise the world and that would put an end to so much pain and suffering. But again, the slavery Jesus opposed was the source of all slavery and that is slavery to sin. Remove that and watch everything else come crashing down. So it says this in, in Galatians 3, verses 26. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself in Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, nor is there male and female. You are all one in Christ. He goes on to say in verse four, um, so chapter 4, verse 7. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are God's child, he has made you an heir. So what's he saying there? There's no Jew, Gentile, male, female, slave, nor free. You are all children of God because of what Jesus has done. You have been given a new identity. But like just for a second, think about that. Because who was listening to that? Who were those words being shared with? Jews, Gentiles, male, female, people that were slaves, and people that were free. Like Those definitions didn't disappear. Like The reality of their life didn't disappear. But what changed was who they were. What changed was their ultimate identity. And what Paul is saying is that these these definitions and these things which might hold you back, these things that might seek to enslave you, yes, they may still be there, but they no longer have a bearing on who you are or what your identity is. You are a child, you are a son, you are a daughter. And what Jesus did is he put an end to these things defining us. You are not a slave to your chains. You are a son to your God. You're a child to your God. You're a son and you're a daughter and that changes everything. It's true liberty on the inside that informs the outside and that's what Jesus came to do. He came to grant us a choice to choose how we can live, think, see ourselves, conduct ourselves even in the midst of things that would seek to hold us back. So the question is this, so when we believe that, when we accept that, when we say, you know what, yeah, I believe you, Jesus, I want to become a son, a daughter, I don't want to live enslaved to these things, does that get rid of these? Like, does in a moment, do every chain, does every chain get broken in a moment? Like, sometimes, yes, sometimes. Like, I think God has the power to radically change our lives in an instant, in a moment, but not always, not necessarily. And and don't don't throw anything at me when I say this, okay? But if Christian living was supposed to be synonymous with chain-free living, then the Apostle Paul was doing something very wrong, because he spent a lot of his life in these, like literally in chains. He he wrote four of his letters to the church from prison. See, he's getting it wrong. If we think that it should be easy, pain-free, chain-free living, and perhaps the church has been guilty of preaching a message which doesn't actually correlate with the revolution Jesus came to bring, one that says health and wealth is yours if you trust Jesus, because it's just not true. Not always. Sometimes we have to endure. Sometimes these won't go. Sometimes these won't shift. But what is true each and every time is these do not define us. These do not hold us. We are not enslaved to these. We have been moved, we have been given choice. We might not choose our chains, but we always have a choice in our chains. Galatians 5, verses 1 says, So Christ has truly set us free. Make sure you stay free. There's the choice. Christ has done it. The liberty has been brought, the freedom has been bought. Now it's our choice to decide how we live. Now so so for me, like having a fifteen month old son. Um, has completely transformed the way I see that what it means to be a child of God because I look at my son and with me he is just, he is just absolutely fearless like, so he will, he will without hesitation just step off the top step of the top of the stairs and trust that I'll catch him like sometimes I do <laughs> sometimes I do other times it's his mum's fault but he does, and, and he has no issue with interrupting me. Like Just the other morning, I was having a lovely dream, and he prized my eyes open. Like He, has, he doesn't, Like literally, just let's wake up, Father. Ah, I love you, son. Um, he will, he will pour at me, claw at me. He'll say up without even saying please. Because um, he's my son. He walks around with such a confidence and such a, a fearless attitude towards life because I'm there, I'm his dad and, and what, a, what a change we might see if you and I started living without, without focusing on what's holding us back without fixating on the problems stop living life viewing everything through the lens of our chains through the lens of our pain instead viewing it through the lens of our God who sees us as a son and a daughter what would that change in you? what confidence might that give you what would you try how would you conduct yourself how would you think about yourself how would you think about others and this is the this is the revolution that he began this is the change that he brought like absolute freedom regardless of life circumstances whether i'm on a mountain top or in a valley i can know pure freedom because it's not dictated by this it's not dictated to by this it's not informed by this as much as this is a reality and what this does for one another, so that's that on an individual sense, but in terms of how that informs our actions, once we recognise that what Jesus has done, he's made me a child of him, that changes the way that I see everyone else. I see you. So, so my sister, um, for, for as much as you know, we, we will banter with one another, and she does struggle with the fact that I'm her line manager and she gives me jip for it and doesn't submit to the authority of my management, um, I'm joking. I'm not her manager. Um, if she's stuck in any way, shape, or form, I take issue with that. So if if she gets into a moment of let, let's take uh, financial hardship and she's not able to to do something, she's trapped in that regard. As my sister, like I, I that's that's my responsibility to do something about that. I'm not okay with her being stuck. Like, is it is it money that you need? Like we can. You can submit that, and we can talk about it in your next appraisal, about a, uh, you know, a pay rise. Um, there's a few things that you need to do to, to get there. Um, I am joking for those that are just sort of like. Um, but I'm not okay with that. And how it, that should be the case with how we view our brothers and sisters. That should be the case with how we see things that would hold someone else back. We shouldn't be callous. We shouldn't just withdraw ourselves and say, well, I'm fine. I'm good. Me and my little circle are okay. If my brother, if my sister is stuck, then it is my mandate as someone that has been freed, that someone that is experiencing liberty to do all I can to see that they are experiencing that for themselves. And that's why I love what we do as a church here. I I love that we have things like cap release. I love the things that, that we do to try and break chains that are on people because that's, that's, a, that's a daughter of God, that is a, that's a son of God and we shouldn't be okay shouldn't be okay with distancing ourselves, it should bother us and it's, it's that liberty on the inside that leads to liberty on the outside that leads us to live lives that rage against slavery on any level on any level so what are these for you? I struggled bending over then didn't I? <laughs> oh, age apparently <laughs> what is it for you? have you been using this as an excuse? have you been using this to define who you are? has this been informing who you are? do your chains tell you what your identity is? or is it the transformation is it the revolution that Jesus brought to say these chains no longer define you you may live with them they may be there. Like, and I want to be clear on this as well, because um, I do believe, so the direction of travel is complete. So the direction of travel for each and every person, like God's heart for each and every one of us, is complete and holistic freedom in every sense of the word. But if there is a chain in your life that does not dislodge you from being a child of God. And we can, can't we? We can look at this and think, well, I must be getting it wrong. And it's just not true. It's not biblical and we set ourselves up to fail and we set ourselves up to step into and carry a sense of guilt and condemnation when we think to one another that we shouldn't have these and that we should hide these and that we need to be perfect. It's just not true. And we can fully be, fully embrace who God has called us to be in spite of chains that would try and hold us back. Paul actually writes about his chains that he was in them for the advancing of the gospel. Like God was using them. Like, do we moan about them and, and pray them away where God is actually trying to teach us something, help someone through it? Like, So my, my grandfather, like one of the most godly men uh, that I, I, I knew, he's with the Lord now. Um, he lived so much of his life chained to a body that wasn't working properly. He had MS and Parkinson's. It changed nothing about his identity in Christ. It changed nothing about the fact that he was a son of God. Yeah. And he, was, he remained faith-filled until the very last breath that he took on this planet. And for that, for me, is inspirational. That, for me, is... That fills me with courage and hope that in, in the most testing and trying of circumstances doesn't change who I am. doesn't change what Jesus has done in me or can do through me or can do through you. So stop disqualifying yourself because you have a chain. Stop judging yourself because you have a chain. Jesus wants to bring freedom to your perspective. Jesus wants to be freedom to your outlook, to change the posture of your heart from a slave to a son. In Jesus' name, amen. And I wonder, I wonder now what we could do as a church if we started living that way, got over this, stopped judging one another for these, and just got on with it. Sons and daughters of the God that we love, that loves us, came to bring us freedom. Band, you can, you can jump up. Um, I asked my dad for that chain and he gave me the rustiest chain on the planet. So my jeans are ruined and my hands are stained. Thank you, Roger Jordan. So let me ask you, what is that for you? Have you been living as a slave or as a child of God? Have you ever made that decision to accept what Jesus has done for you and to experience that transformation on the inside that changes everything to the out? Um, Let's just take a moment. If you want to bow your head, close your eyes. Just take a moment to reflect. Consider what that chain might be for you. How has it been informing the way that you live? How do you see it? How do you see yourself in Christ? In this moment of prayer where your heads are bowed, eyes are closed, I want to give an opportunity to respond. Um, And if you recognize this morning that you have not been living free, um, that you have been allowing chains, whatever that might be for you, to to inform how you think about yourself and how you conduct yourself, how you live, and this morning you want to change that, I would love to pray for you. This afternoon, sorry, if you want to change that this afternoon, I'd love to pray for you. So while we stay in this moment of personal reflection, If I can pray for you, just slip up your hand now. That's fantastic. Hey, you can pop them down again. God, you see every heart in this room. You see every life in this room. You see all the things that would try and hold us back and prevent us from living how you want us to. And I pray, Lord God, for every hand that was raised there and for those that wanted to but didn't. Lord God, I pray that they would experience a renewed sense of freedom, a renewed recognition that they are not defined by their chains, they are not a slave to their chains, they are a child of God. And I pray, Lord, that would change everything, that would inform their thinking, their actions, their, their conduct. Lord God, give us, give us the, the courage to recognise you in every moment, when things are tough, when things are difficult, when those chains are so real in our lives, I pray that your presence and the intimacy with you would be even more real, we pray freedom in Jesus name Amen um, Jesus says of himself that he is the, the way, the truth and the life Or says in the Bible that we will know the truth and the truth will set us free so it is a relationship with Jesus it is intimacy with Jesus it is that ongoing um, friendship with him that brings freedom into our lives that we can experience it on a daily basis and that's the, that's the source that's the that's the root and perhaps there are those in the room today that have never made that decision to, to, to accept Jesus into your heart, to go, yep, I'm in. Um, I have never made that choice to to become a, a follower, a Christian, whatever that might, whatever you want to call it. Like this moment can be that moment for you. Um, so if that's you, if you want to become a Christian today and accept Jesus into your heart, um, accept that transition from being chained to becoming a child. Um, here we, we can do it. So very simply, after the count of three, I'm ask you to put your hand up and we'll pray and celebrate with you. One, two, three. Awesome. That's good. Can we celebrate? This is amazing. Come on, let's stand together, church. And we're gonna sing this last song, Chosen Not Forsaken, I am who you say I am, as an exclamation mark on this, as a declaration together. That we are not slaves to our chains, we are children of God. In Jesus' name. Amen? Come on, listen. I am chosen not forsaken.